Thank you, guys. Um, all right, so um, a few words as we're getting started here. Um, so it is Mother's Day, and uh, if that's if that's news to you, and you need to like fake a choking kit and ru- a choking fit right now, and, <coughs> and rush out and get a gift real quick, this is pretty much your last shot. Um, I'd, I'd recommend getting on that quickly. Um, it'll be worth it for you. Um, and, and I loved Levi. I mean, what an awesome throwing a fit. He literally, if, if those of you who are over here, you don't get to see, like he is throwing a fit because he's being forced to leave worship. Like that's, that's what he's upset about. He, he stands over here and dances through the whole ton thing. And so anyway, um, more of you should have that attitude. I'm just telling you. I'm just, how do I not say that? All right. So, um, that's, that's an a- absolutely awesome attitude. And we will, by the way, have a, a minute just at some point at the, near the end point of the service, there will be a time for a testimony again. Again, the idea here is, are you, do you know of somebody, especially if they're present or especially if they're part of this church or especially whatever that you would say, this is a person whose life is saturated by ministry, that they get this idea that refreshment comes and the refreshment of our souls comes from the ministry, that living out the ministry God calls us to. So you can be thinking about that um, as we move forward. Um, Okay, so we're going to break into, I mentioned last week that I didn't get to the meat of the scripture last time. We will get there, Lord willing, today. Um, But also, that's like, that is the key factor. I mean, that's the big factor of who we are and what we do on a Sunday morning. There are lots of sources of wisdom and truth in the world But only Scripture do we think is a trustworthy. We go to Scripture saying, this is truth before I even read it. And I've got to figure out how to engage with that. Now, that doesn't mean we don't challenge it, we don't question it, we don't dig into it, that we aren't filled with doubts at times. Of course we are. Um, But we go to this knowing this is the source of truth that we can trust. That's why we continually come back to teaching through Scripture on Sunday morning. And my favorite way to teach is just straight through a scriptural passage. Um, so this summer, we're going to be do, covering the book of Hebrews. And if you're someone who says, you know what I love to do? I love to dig into a, a book of the Bible and really sink my teeth into it. Well, you're in for a lot of fun this summer because um, there are very few books in the Bible. Let me rephrase that. There are very few books ever published by anyone, any time of any era that touch the theological depth, the significance, the challenges that are presented in the letter to the Hebrews. Um, and if you know who wrote the book of Hebrews, you'll get bonus points. Um, if you've ever studied the book of Hebrews, you know why that's funny. If you never have, um, then after next week, you'll know. So that's, um, I really encourage you, it is not considered cheating to read ahead. So you, you're allowed to do that. Your, your Bible has the book of Hebrews in it. So to open that up, it's near the end. And to read through that and study it and come prepared. Um, in fact, I will tell you, the more prepared you are, the more fun this time will be for you. But um, <clears throat> I, am, I worry at times... Um, as to how much longer preachers are going to get to keep our jobs. Because there used to be this kind of mystery around how we were able to dig things out of Scripture. And like, how did he, how did he come up with that? Like that kind of stuff. <clears throat> I remember growing up with that. And now pretty much all you got to do is Google it. And, and it's there. I mean, like, you, you Google a passage of Scripture and there will be 30-something different commentaries laid side by side on different, different Christian leaders going back 2,000 years on their opinions on this passage. And, uh, and so if you actually study that and you get ahead and you, you do that kind of thing, you're going to come in here and be so disappointed when you go like, wait, he just got that off of Google. That's all he's doing. So um, it doesn't make me magic. It's, it's, it's really something that anybody can and, in my opinion, should 
be doing. If, you're, if your entire engagement with God's Word is experienced on Sunday morning for about 35 minutes or maybe in a Sunday school class for another 45 um, then, then uh, you're, you're not getting it. You're not getting the, the fullness of what God has for you. So let me really encourage you. Um, grab that scripture, dig it out, and dig into it. And uh, the more challenging the passage, um, the more fun it can be. Um, so, so that being said, if you've got a Bible, you may want to turn in it. You may want to grab your own version. We put them up on the screen so that no one misses it, but it's not there to make you lazy. So feel free to uh, use your scripture. You can um, do like the ancients do, and you can scroll nowadays to your scripture, just like they used to do, um, except they did it with scrolls. Um, all right, so uh, this is the, the third John chapter one. There's only one chapter in third John, but this letter from John uh, verse four is kind of the foundational passage for today, and it fits very well with Mother's Day. So I've, I've never done a Mother's Day sermon, and, and maybe today isn't really that either, but we're going to come back quite a few times to this concept of the testimony of mothering and, and how that plays into perfectly what we've been talking about with refreshing, refocusing. Um, <clears throat> and as someone said when I was getting coffee, they were like, another one, rejuvenation. Um, this, these, all of these concepts, um, the, the restoration, there's so many words that fit into that. Um, <clears throat> so you may, when you think of Mother's Day, you may think of, uh, you know, leave it to beaver or, or something like that, that that's the, you got to leave it to beaver, there we go. <clears throat> Maybe that's what you're picturing is going to happen today. It's going to look just like that. Um, more likely, it's going, to look, it's going to be something like this. Um, Mom, I just wanted to say that you forgot to remind me this Sunday is Mother's Day. So <laughs> somehow that's her responsibility as well, right? Um, so I do want to let you know a little bit about Mother's Day. Um, and, and, and to let you know, like, first of all, in all seriousness, there are tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of women who normally go to church who don't go to church on Mother's Day. Um, and, and part of it is they're afraid of, of what's going to be going on in that service. And so some of you, that may be you. You may be nervous being here because especially if you don't know us, you don't know if we're going to do that whole thing where like, hey, everyone, all the moms stand up. And then if you have five kids, sit down. If you have less than four kids, sit down. If you, all that kind of thing. And our church I grew up did that, which of course was done totally in, in the right heart and the right spirit. So no one's motives are, are in question here. But, but what happens is when you do that kind of thing, moms come and then they have to wrestle through, how, at what point do I sit down? Do I count my miscarried children? Do I count the children who I gave away for adoption? Do I count the aborted children in my past? Like, how, how do we do that? And so it becomes a terrifying experience. And, and we're not afraid to, to mention that and to know that that's, that's what people are facing. Ginger and I have talked about it many times. So we have three miscarriages in our past. And so, so do, does Ginger sit down at five kids or does she sit down at eight kids? Theologically, we would all agree it's eight, but, but what's, you know, she's still standing at eight and people are like, what's, what's with the other, like, it creates awkward questions and all that kind of stuff. And so it's, it's a hard thing. And there's a lot of pain and a lot of challenges and trauma that different people have to face about Mother's Day. And so that, that's why they don't come sometimes. And in a minute, we're going we're gonna to pray for moms um, that, that I, the, a prayer that we've done now the last few years as reference to the, the fact that moms need our prayers and, and what they face. Mothers are, are challenged with that and, and the call of what it means to be a mother. But just so you'll know, um, and this was intriguing to me, just doing the tiniest bit of research and uh, speaking of Google, right? And Mother's Day, so it became a U.S. holiday, an official holiday in 1914. 
Now, here's, the, here's, here's one of the few pieces of information that was intriguing to me about this. The founder spent the rest of her life trying to get it removed from the official calendar because she was afraid that it had become nothing more than rank commercialization. Whew, glad we dodged that bullet, right? Man. Um, However, according to history.com, the website that Google told me to go to, the tradition of celebrating a specific day for mothers actually probably comes from a Christian holiday. Who, who knew, right? The name of that holiday was a festival called Mothering Sunday. It was the fourth Sunday in Lent. And the fourth Sunday in Lent on Mothering Sunday, you were supposed to go back to your home church to celebrate your mother's church. Now, the mother church also, but your mother's church, the church probably where your mother would be. And so that developed the tradition of honoring mothers on Mothering Sunday um, as the children would go back home to the church that they grew up in, presumably where their mother went to church. So that's kind of cool. Later, a group of women came together to try to pass the International Mother's Day of Peace. Again, intriguing. Lots of lessons invested in this. But the Mother's Day of Peace. As we see that, it struck me how, what a big deal this is. All over the world, right now, there are soldiers killing each other. And, and it's happening everywhere. And in and, and, and multiple nationalities, cultures, everything, that's going on. And it always is. And so the thought with these women was, what if all the mothers could get together and declare a day, Mother's, the day of, uh, mother's Day of Peace, and then on that one day, out of honor for mothers everywhere, all soldiers would refuse to fight. That, that is a cool idea. It? I mean, it, don't you think that's brilliant? Like, how cool for mothers to have one day when no, none of our sons or now daughters are going to die in combat today. And guess what? It failed. Now, this is what struck me about that. So humanism, the belief, there's a lot to this, but I, this, to, to summarize it, humanism is a belief that mankind is, has the solution to all our own problems. This is 2017. If we have not yet, out of deference even to our mothers, figured out a way to have one day of peace, let's just, I'm just going to throw out a, a, a theory. My, my, my thesis here is we are not going to solve our own problems. If we have not yet figured out how to have one day, even out of, refer, out of deference to moms, that we stop killing each other for just one day, we are no closer to solving our own problems. In fact, if anything, it seems like we get further and further from solving our own problems all the time. Um, the, the truth is that humanism is the belief that, that man is the cause of and solution to all of his own problems. Now, just stop and think about the absurdity of that statement real quick. If you're the cause of all your problems, you're probably not the solution. That's not how that normally works in life. That yes, human, humanity and our own awfulness have caused our own problems, but we can come together. We are the world. We are, and we'll get it all together. And listen, if there's not any more evidence that we're not going to, and that we need someone from the outside to step in and save us, the idea of a failed Mother's Day of peace—I don't know what other evidence you need—that we couldn't even pull that off. That just boggled my mind. I was like, why doesn't this exist? This is such an obviously good idea. I think we could all agree, and yet, pfft, nothing. So, sad. Perhaps for you today, Mother's Day is a day that is nothing but a joy to recall and celebrate for you. Moms, perhaps today is hard. Maybe your relationship with the very concept of mom is difficult. 
And that can be for any of us. Perhaps you celebrate as your definition of what a mom is has been broadened to include those who have blessed you with the examples of God's maternal traits. And hopefully you've got dozens of those in your life. Perhaps every year, this, is, this day is a day of grief because of loss in your family. And for some of you, this is the first year for you to have to grieve that. Perhaps today, for moms, this is the day that you simply don't have to choose where to go eat today. Or maybe for a chance, you get to choose where to go eat. But the truth is, any woman representing the maternal aspects of the character of God is a mother. When we, when we, in the mornings, when we do the flowers, we tell them, Every woman who isn't a child gets a flower. Because any woman who represents the maternal aspects of the character of God is a mother. That's how you define mother. You're a good mom or a bad mom to the degree you exemplify the maternal traits of Almighty God. God's strong, nurturing, sacrificial, warm, and compassionate traits are the cosmic standard for mothering. And all of us have at least one mom who at least took the role of giving us birth, most of us have hundreds, if you're blessed, thousands of women who you can call moms. They've been moms to us representing the different aspects of God. So we want to take advantage of the fact that our culture celebrates moms and say a special prayer for all of you who are moms or who will be, etc. So let's pray. So Lord, we ask that you pour out your special blessings on those who represent your maternal aspects. God, thank you for your gift of mothers. Thank you that you give us spiritual life like a mother gives physical life. Thank you that you don't forget us like mothers who don't forget their children. Thank you that you give us peace and comfort like a mother comforts her little ones. Thank you that we can claim spiritual mothers in our lives as gifts from you. Thank you for all the mothers who display truth to us. Thank you for providing many moms of the gospel whom we count as a blessing from you. May you bless them and keep them and make your face shine upon them and give them your peace. We ask these special blessings on all mothers. Mothers in the trenches seeking to create Christ followers by rocking, changing diapers, putting on band-aids, giving medicine, listening, loving, hoping, the givers of keys and curfews, planning weddings, holding grandchildren and great-grandchildren, doing this not only for their kids but for other people's kids, and praying and praying and praying. And so today we return the favor and pray for them a little. We lift up birth mothers who have given up their children for adoption, mothers whose children have died, mothers who have miscarriages or adoptions that have fallen through, the mothers of aborted babies, future mothers in the midst of the challenges of infertility, Pregnant mothers, moms waiting for adoption, moms of many and moms of few. Foster moms, stepmoms, spiritual moms, single moms, and moms who have broken relationships with their children or their own mothers. God, we pray for your blessings on our mothers. I pray for my mother, and I do so in your son's magnificent name. Amen. <clears throat> so here's the thing. What we like to do is, like with Mother's Day, we like to set aside a specific time and kind of carve that out to program it or schedule it or make an event out of it. And that allows us to just dip our toe in it when it's convenient for us. This is, this is a natural tendency in all churches for us to do this. Um, it's, it's why we have to work hard not to become an event-driven church or a program-driven church. 
And we don't want to create the illusion that, that living the Christian life is an event thing rather than a life thing. We don't want to create the, the illusion that it's a program thing rather than an everyday, all-the-time thing. And that's part of, again, why parenting is the ultimate expression of discipleship. Is that you don't turn parenting on and off. You don't schedule parenting. Oh, I'll parent from this hour to this hour, but that's it. That's, that's not how it works, right? We want to instead default to relationship, to service, to discipleship. That's what it means that we aren't an event-driven church. When you see on our website that phrase over and over again, that we're not an event-driven church, that's intentional. We don't, we don't want to be. Um, we have events and programs, and bless God that we have them. I'm not diminishing their value. What I'm diminishing is, is their foundational place in a church. They are meant to feed the purpose of the church. They aren't the purpose of the church. And so often we want to solve the issues that we face in church with an event or a program, but that doesn't do it. Again, that allows people just to step their foot in and get back out rather than to dive in. If events and programs funnel people towards the gospel and funnel them into the opportunity to live a disciple's life, that's what it's all about. To living out that life every day, all day, that's what it means. Again, you can see why talking about this on a Mother's Day makes sense. Mothers are mothers all day, every day. There's never a break, right? Children are never done. They're never full. Oh, no, I'm fine. Go do what you want to do. Like, that just doesn't, right? You don't experience a lot of that with little kids until they're teenagers, and then they're like, yeah, go do something else. I don't have anything to do with you. Then you break your heart that direction, right? That's, that's not what we want to do. The truth is we, so that where, where I worked for a while at Pine Cove, one of the philosophies of a, a guy um, who was there named Kevin East, he used to say all the time, our staff is our program. Our program is nothing more than our staff. That's what our program is. Well, I'll tell you, that is what, how it is with this church. Our, our program is you. It is us. We are the program. We are the event. We are the ministers. In fact, um, let me show you real quick. Let me show you our church business card. So these were on your chairs. Now, if you didn't have one, it's because that selfish first service, they took it and, and you just got to, you got to confront them on that. But no, that was what they were supposed to do. And then we ran out filling them in. So, but there are plenty others in, in the seats around you. Everybody needs to get one. So if y'all need to pass them around to make sure everybody gets one, do your best for everybody to get one. Okay. Here's what they look like for a reason. So we've got the information, just the basic stuff, phone number, map, website, all that. But then notice it says minister. And then there's a blank. Guess what goes in that blank? Your name. If you said your name out loud and you meant me, you were wrong. If you said your name and you meant yourself, then you're correct. So your name, <laughs> your name goes in there. So that you would put in there, this is, I'm, I'm a minister here and I want you here and I, I would love for you to come visit. Of course, it's even more excellent if you can just introduce somebody directly to Christ. But that's hard and it's challenging and, and, and sometimes people read that as, some, as somehow serving you. Of course it's not. If they knew anything about it, they would know how hard that is, not the other way around. You're not getting brownie points or something for that. But that you're saying, hey, here's... But, but at minimum, most people like being invited to stuff. Um, and so when you can say, hey, come here. This is a cool place to come. Um, there's coffee and donuts. And, and if you sign up in the back, there's some cool prizes that you win for coming. And that, by the way, that's true. First-time guests, you, you can get back there. some cool prizes. And... Um, uh, just to let you know, we're proud that you're here, and that kind of we would love for you to come visit. Um, 
Sit with me. Let me take you out to lunch after. Whatever. I'm telling you, it's amazing how if I, if I will stash a bunch of these, find a way to get rid of it. We'll order more. Um, but the, we find a way to hand these off to people, to waiters and waitresses. It's amazing how badly people are treated these days. And so when you're kind to somebody, I even love when someone's really good at what they do, when they're a really good servant or when they are really got a good attitude. I like giving them one with the attitude of saying, hey, I would like for you to be at our church. We need more people like you at our church. We need people with this heart. So Mark is, Mark is trying to start a business and, and going through all the government agencies. Um, there's nothing like trying to start a business to turn a libertarian, turn somebody into a libertarian, am I right? And so, so he's trying to start this business going to all, he has to go to this office and do this and he has to do this and it's always wrong the first time and you got to redo it again and all this type of stuff. Well, he told me there was a lady who was super helpful at one of these places, and so I went, sure enough, I had to go because he's under 18, so we had to redo all of it, but we went, I went back and sat down, and she was super helpful. Then I said, you, you really do damage to the prejudice against government workers. Like, you're so helpful and so friendly. Like, that's, it's off the charts how helpful you have been. I would love for you to come visit our church. She, you, you may be here, so if you are, glad. thank you for coming, but... Man, what a great, hey, take this and, so this is a, actually, I say that and then I realize, actually I had to use one of her cards because I had just given my last one away, so it's kind of embarrassing. But I should have taken more of these. But, um, so, so yes, take the, give them to people, encourage them to come, let them know they're welcome somewhere. And we love to see people like that. That's a, I will also, just for the sake of commenting on it, so you'll know about it. Um, our website is now up, southspring.org. It is a great resource. Um, can you pull that up too? Or did, if you can't, that's okay. You may not be able to. Um, David figured out a way to do that in the first service. It's, it's all right. Don't worry about it. It's southspring.org. It's got all kinds of great helpful material on it that you can look to and help with that kind of stuff. And then finally, I will tell you, we also now, um, our database is becoming useful. So uh, in addition to the value of people being able to know your name, it actually now matters if you check in. So uh, I know you're like, Wait, it hasn't all this time? No, it hasn't. Um, but it does now. And so, uh, if you, hey, you developed a habit, and that's healthy. But uh, if you could, if, if every Sunday, please get a name tag, sign in so that people can see that, and um, we now can communicate better with that stuff. So all kinds of cool, neat things going on. I don't want to get off on that, but just let you know about that. Take those. Make sure if you didn't get one, there's some of these front seats. Come by and get them. Um, take one with you, especially if you're a member of the church. The power of the mature, disciplined believer is, is immeasurable. The people who are willing to engage, be intentional, and who recognize this truth. Ministry isn't about you. Ministry is either about the God who you are ministering in the name of, in obedience to, or, it's in the, or ministering, and it is for the person who you are ministering to. This is what ministry is all about. It's not about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our, even our preferences. Um, you may not. You may be introverted. You don't like that stuff. Um, you may be extroverted, and this seems too deep, too quickly. Or you may maybe you just don't like kids, and you're like, but but so I'm supposed to work with kids? Yes, yes. Um, that is a ministry that God has called us to. The mature obedience is a step of faith that embraces the freedom that Christ offers, and our hearts follow that. None of us know what we're doing. Again, without me even making an effort, you should be seeing the theme of mothering woven into all of this. How often is that an accurate statement? The will to continue doing what needs to be done regardless of how you feel. Is that not maybe a good defi definer of the, the um, testimony of mothering? The willingness to keep pressing on even when you aren't seeing the results that you're praying for. 
to not quit even when you don't see things going the way you want them to go. Listen to this passage out of Habakkuk. Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18. What a great statement of faith this is. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, and the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. We really can't identify with that in today's world. So we should say something like, there's nothing at all on the shelves at Brookshire's. Even under those conditions, verse 18, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength, and he makes my feet like the antelope. He makes me tread on high places. This is, this is the, the truth of the matter is, even when things don't seem to be going well, we can, in faith, continue to honor and worship God. And so much of parenting, discipleship, church work, ministry, it is a marathon. It's a long-term thing. It's not a, it's not a sprint. You feel like you're losing. How many of you get discouraged in parenting or, or, or in the different ministries God has called you to when you seem to be losing that 100-yard sprint so badly? And that the reminder that the 100-yard sprint and the big picture isn't really going to matter. When you're dealing with a decades-long marathon, that, that that's, that's sticking in it for the long game. We are in this for the long game. So that verse we started with, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Look at the, I feel like almost the past tenseness of this. That this is someone hearing that what they've done has mattered. Maybe they didn't see it in the moment. Maybe John is referencing back to his students and hey, some of these students weren't getting it. And then he hears later, they got it. How encouraging is that? If you've been in ministry very much, you have examples of this. Um, a very, very quick one, again, I has a long version of this, but a very quick one was a young man who, in youth group who I never, when I was a youth pastor, who I never could get through to him and never could get through to him. I mean, just nothing all the time. I mean, just, and, and then reaching out to him and trying all these different things, and then finally he just vanished and didn't hear from him for years for a couple of years, and then at home one day, and we get a phone call, and it's this guy, and I, I mean, it turns out he, he was a part of the soccer team, and again, it was, it was a really humorous conversation, like, so all those times I talked about being playing soccer, like, that didn't, <laughs> you never, never mentioned that you were playing soccer, too? Like, that never gelled in any way. Well, you know, I'm on the, I'm, I made the U.S. National Youth Soccer Team, like, wow, so again, nothing, and, and I'm, a go I'm their goalie, like, I was a goalie. I know I told lots of stories about that. Still, nothing. You never were like, me too. Like, nothing. I mean, I just never got anything back from this kid. <clears throat> he goes, so we're in Egypt, and we just beat the Egyptian national youth team, and the coach told us we could call two people and tell them about it. So I called my mom, and I called you because I knew you would care. Boy, how do, you, how do you pay for that moment? How do you purchase that moment of ministry where you've totally messed up. You've never made contact that you can tell. And yet you get to rejoice to hear as he tells, by the way, now he's a soccer coach and at a Christian school and, and just, as I understand it, just a great guy leading kids. And anyway, we grow in joy when we bring joy to others, when we get to embrace the fact that they have understood and they're walking in the truth. We have a lot of children who come here to this church, as you've seen, if you've walked around much at all, needy, lost, troubled, demanding, did I mention needy, naive, and one of the things they need is to learn the truth. And again, once again, look how mothers exemplify this. 
Um, now, I will, I will just make a comment just to, to, just to defer to some of you. I know that probably for some of you, your image of mom is very broken because of your mom. And so I, I don't mean to imply that there's something wrong with you if you don't understand, if you don't intuitively get God as maternal. You may have a, a totally messed up mom situation. Um, that's, in fact, that's very common. And so I, I, I know that that can be the case. Abusive moms and neglectful moms and abandoning moms and stuff like that. But you, I think you also know intuitively there's an image of, ma, of motherhood that, that transcends that. Making it up. That's actually, by the way, where the name of this sermon, the name of this sermon is I Have No Idea. Isn't that right? And so um, it came from John saying, what, do you want to, what are you planning, sending me a text, what are you going to teach on Sunday morning, on, Easter, on Mother's Day morning, and at least this is how I remember it, and me texting back saying, I have no idea. And him saying, that's an odd name for a sermon, an odd title for a sermon. But then as I thought about it, isn't that kind of where we, I mean, aside from the fact that I'm a guy teaching on Mother's Day, like, and I have no idea. Um, but on top of that, isn't there a truth to that for all of us? I mean, do any of us really know what we're doing? Especially when it comes to parenting. I mean, really, do we, we, we really just don't. I mean, we're having to make this up as we go along. If we had a great example of a parent, then maybe we got more going for us. But even then, there's always things that catch you off guard, that blindside you, that you can't see. Making do with whatever we have. Trusting in the little miracles for everyday things. Is, isn't the, see how the ministry life and the motherhood model so overlap with each other that, that living out the little things, how many little things that you say, I, it'll be a miracle if I get out of bed today. It'll be a miracle if this child survives me today, right? If I don't, if I don't put this kid, you know, I'm going to be on the evening news if, if it's just one more, 10, 10 more seconds, right? How do we, and, and the, the ability to, to make it through those moments, through the power of God, that's, that's a big part of what we're talking about. Taking ministry on that can only end in brokenness <clears throat> and brokenheartedness. Again, the testimony of mothers. A lot of people come here like those children who aren't other than just children, naive, hurting, exhausted, worn out, sometimes from a broken church experience too. Rest is good. And so the thesis this has turned into that I'm now giving near the end is rest is good. And rest is what restores our body. But what I've learned through these passages, I'm about to show you again, go back through them, is that refreshment, which another word for rest for our souls, comes through living out the ministry that God has called us to. That is where we are refreshed. We are refreshed by the ministry that God has called us to. It may be exhausting physically. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. I, I believe that this is a correct way of saying this, that the word spirit here is not capitalized. The willing spirit is something that God gives us, the willingness to keep going. That is what restores to us the, the joy of our salvation. What restores it? Remember in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, we looked at that, about the, the whole burdens and the yokes. I'm going to mention that again here in a second. But remember that in the middle of that, in Matthew eleven twenty nine, 29, it says, I will, and you will find rest for your souls. 
If you're carrying burdens and you're carrying, wearing a yoke, you're not finding rest for your body necessarily, but you can find rest for your souls. Or even better, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well and he's exhausted and worn out and his disciples come back and they see that he is refreshed, back alive in, in an excited way. And, and they, they say, like, what, where did, did you find some food? You were exhausted. You were fatigued. You were famished earlier. And Jesus says um, in John 4, 32, I have food to eat that you don't know about. Doesn't mean he had something stashed. He didn't have a power bar stashed in his robes. This was, I am lived out ministry in this moment. I love someone who is unlovable. I ran into somebody who thinks she's trash, and I showed her the truth before God that she is treasure. And that has filled my soul. I am restored by that. The 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. This morning at the baptisms, which uh, those ran during the meet and greet. I'm sorry that I didn't draw attention to them, but um, one of the little guys, this was his verse. He, he quoted the entire 23rd Psalm. This is a powerful passage when it talks about him restoring our souls. I now think Jesus, by the way, back in Matthew 11, Jesus is referencing a passage in Jeremiah. This isn't surprising, by the way. Jesus is pretty much always citing Hebrew Scripture. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. Ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. Notice that walking along the path, the good path, the right path, is where you find rest for your souls. You may find rest from your body by stepping off the path and laying down. And we are called to that. We are called to rest. I'm not minimizing the importance of the call to rest. Our bodies need rest. For limitless mission but limited bodies, we must rest. That being said, I believe that refreshment, rest for our souls, refreshment for our souls comes from ministry. It comes from engaging with people and loving them and, and convincing them and showing them the truth and loving that and being able to engage with that. And all of us can. The reason, by the way, I, I made a joke first service I thought was, was actually um, dead on what, what I would really love to do. So the, the, the business card thing that says minister. So there's not really a passage in the Bible that says you are ministers. There's plenty that say that. They just don't say exactly that. But I just thought everyone would freak out if it said priest. Because that's actually what the Bible says. It says that we are a priesthood, a royal priesthood. So if I were to put royal priest on the business cards, though, that would probably freak all of you out and anyone you handed it to. They'd probably be like, cult or something. So they would run away. But um, this is what we're talking about. People who get the, in, get the vision, the vision of living out the ministry life, a life saturated with living who we are as, as light, um, as water, refreshment for other people, as salt, as a city on a hill, as ambassadors, you name it, as adopted children, that we would, that's what it means to live that out. So I'm going to take just a second. We've got a couple minutes here. If, if you've got someone that you would be able to reference and say, you know what, I know somebody, especially if they're part of our church, it would be really cool. But that you would just, in just a minute or two, don't, don't go long with this. So just to say, hey, I would love to share um, just a note about that. So we got one. Many of y'all come in and uh, come through the back doors. Um, guy standing back there, 6'5", rough hands. Who am I talking about? Shakes your hand when you walk through the door. Don Barron. Mm -hmm. Since I was four or five, he's been cooking. 
He's been wearing those boots, blue jeans, and shirt. He's been a man's man. I used to think you had to check it at the back door. And then I got to really know Don. He's a man's man who loves Christ. And he's been doing it since I was four or five years old. Maybe before then. I can't remember before then. <laughs> Don Barry. Good example. Excellent example. <clears throat> One more, real quick. No? Yes, one more, right there. I'll tag on what he said. Anel is um, someone that's always been, uh, we've only been here for about a year, but um, how sweet and how much she loves my kids and always willing to pray and encourage us. That's her living out ministry in my Absolutely. Okay, so she's referencing, those of you who don't know, Anel Barron, Don's wife. Now, I just want you to stop for a second and engage with the power of a marriage where the examples that, that two people went to immediately were a husband and wife who have been ministering for decades, saturated with that. That is a legacy. They will be able to, the, the day when, when we, um, I'm not going to sing a song or anything, but when you stand in heaven and all the children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren of the faith are able to come up and enjoy and you enjoy them. That's got to be part of that experience. I just encourage you that the life of ministry is not replaceable. If, if again, I'll say again, one of my themes is if you have a boring Christian life, I'm not sure you're living the Christian life. Um, this is the opportunity to live and invest in ways that, that comes back a thousandfold. Um, I, I was struck a few years ago, and maybe I don't remember exactly when it was, teaching through, and I don't remember what passage off the top of my head is. I have to dig it back up. But the passage where Jesus is talking to his disciples and they talk about all the things that they've lost by following him. And he says, I will replace that for you. I will, I will give you homes and moms and dads and all kinds of things you would never have had otherwise. And when I started listing that stuff out, places where I've stayed around the world, people who have spent the night in their home or in their whatever, the property that they own or at the camp that they worked at or all over the world and, and the places I've gotten to go because of faith in Jesus Christ and the, and the adventure that God has moved us through, I will tell you, there's nothing boring about that. It is, it is stunning to get to experience that. So let me encourage you in regards to living that out. Um, so you can see the, the rewards that, that, once again, the way this plays out connected to moms is the rewards come when other people begin to live it out as well. We see our children being better parents than we have been. Being able to engage with other people. Listen to this in Galatians 6. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one test his own work. Then his, his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not his neighbor for each will have to bear his own load. Now, this is an odd little passage, especially if you've learned it in the King James. It's confusing because verse 2 says, bear one another's burden, and verse 5 says, for each will have to bear their own burden. But there are two different Greek words. One reference is like a backpack. Your responsibility. This is what you're supposed to carry, and that exists. There are things that it's our job to carry. Discipling those around us, especially our own kids, we believe and take that stance, even as a church. It is it is my job as a parent to raise up my children um, in the way that Christ would have me do that, to teach them the truths of Christ. It is Ginger and I's job to raise up our kids that way, primarily our job. We can bring in other people to support that, but fundamentally that's a, that's a burden that rests with us in the Holy Spirit. Now, that being said, 
only a certain, no matter how good a dad I am or how good a mom Ginger is, there's only a certain amount of the maternal traits of God that she has time to show. So other women have to step into our kids' lives as well and be moms to them and to show them. That's a burden that is beyond one person. That requires a congregation, a people. It's the same sort of thing. You name it. There are going to be places, there are times when you've got to do your job. You've got a task to do. I tell men, absolutely. You know, you men or women are bringing in an income to support their family. Excellent. That's great. And then there's going to come a day when you can't do that for one reason or another, probably through no fault of your own. And now you need the body to come alongside and bear that burden with you. That's how this works. That's where we find refreshment is in bearing one another's burdens. I referenced my best friend growing up was a Navy SEAL. And one of the things they had, and these guys are freakishly fit. Um, I remember watching Jason do a thousand sit-ups one night as fast as I could count them just because he was kind of bored. Um, he slept while doing push-ups. I'm not kidding. He, would, he, would, he could do push-ups and fall asleep while he was doing them. And that's how fit this guy was. And yet they would carry these telephone poles and their squads around and, and there's not, no one person could have done that. And it took all of them to do it. And that they, one person could kind of rest a little bit while the other five carried. And then they would take their load back. And that they would bear, there were a burden for them to bear and a burden for them to all bear together. This is, this is the Christian life in so many ways. That we bear one another's burdens, even in the midst of the fact that we've got responsibilities. Philemon, um, the quick, the quick, quick version of Philemon. So you have this dude named Philemon and he has a slave that's named Onesimus, and, he's, and Onesimus apparently has escaped Philemon. And the apostle Paul runs into Onesimus, and apparently Philemon was a believer, and obviously so Paul is, and they seem to have known each other. It, and it's, it, we only get this one little section. It's hard to know much of the backstory. But Onesimus at some point converts. Maybe after he meets Paul, he's escaped his master, and now meets Paul, and Paul and he is converted to Christ, maybe that's how this plays out. And of all things, Paul sends Onesimus back to Philemon. But he does so with a letter for Philemon. And so Philemon is going to get this letter from his slave. And in the letter, Paul is writing this letter to Philemon, reminding Philemon of some important things like, Onesimus may be your slave in Rome, but he is your brother in Christ. You are peers in the, in the eternal kingdom of Almighty God. Even though you're master and slave on earth, in the heavens, you are peers. And remember that. You're going to be held more responsible because you're the authority. It's a beautiful little book to explain some of the things that we have a hard time wrapping our brain around. But this verse right here, listen to... So he's saying, yes, my brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Do the right thing. And not only will you be refreshed when we do the right thing, when we live out what God has called us to do, but then when we do that, we refresh others. Other people get to see it. Other people get to experience it. For a long time. You're what, 34? It's been 30 years? That's right, right about there, right? So for 30 years you've seen that. Maybe a little longer. This is, this is what we're talking about. We get to experience that refreshment and encouragement. The refreshment of our souls comes from living out the ministry life and in particular doing so together. Who we are and what we are created for. Once again, I, I shouldn't have to reference mothers to see that this is the testimony of mothers in so many ways. The refreshment of the soul coming from doing what God has called us to do. Listen to Ephesians 2. We'll close on this thought. 
For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is a part of our identity. The Greek word there is poema. It's where we get the word poetry. Workmanship probably doesn't do justice anymore in modern English. Craftsmanship, artwork. That's who we are to God. We are his art. But he created us with a purpose to do good works. Not to do good works. This is he created us, and now we have the opportunity to live out these good works, created in Christ for these good works, which Christ prepared beforehand that we could walk in them. This is where we find refreshment. Because we, we do these things because it's what we were created for. That's a beautiful thing. Does a bird get weary when it flies? I imagine it does. But how about when it walks? This is the idea that we should live out the truth of who we are is what I believe refreshes us. So that's the thesis I want you to wrestle with. Yes, rest gives us refreshment for our bodies, and we need that. But I now believe, after studying these last few weeks, that refreshment for our souls comes through the ministry God has called us to. So if you want to be refreshed, find places to invest in eternity. God's Word is eternal. God is eternal. And people are eternal. Find ways to invest in those and find refreshment for your souls in Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You so much for the power of Your Word and that it does not return empty, but instead, Lord, it fills us up. Lord, I pray that we will find refreshment in You. This is a dry and thirsty land, and there are so few wells that have any water at all. But Lord, You are a well that never runs dry. And in Your followers, we become springs of water overflowing into the lives of others. I pray we will be able to live out that way. Not, not just cynical and sarcastic, Lord, but the truth is living out truth. Finding joy and bringing others joy. God, I pray that you will help us to live a life in that calling. That we would not put the light that you have turned us into under some type of covering, but we would display it for all to see. And I pray these people will know who you are because they know who we are. And that that would be our primary purpose in life. is to model you. Thank you, God, especially today for moms and their testimony of sticking with things, including us, when we don't seem to be doing so well. God, thank you for that testimony in their lives and in the lives of others. Thank you for the moms that you've given us, the moms to our children, the, our moms, the spiritual moms, all of those. Thank you, Father, for your amazing blessing. Thank you for Ginger and the, being the mom of my kids um, and the blessing that that means. We are so blessed as a people, Lord. Help us to embrace that and be encouraged by it every day in your son's magnificent name. Amen.